Motor. I'm your host, Louis Alexander. Okay, we got Jordan on line one. Good morning, Jordan. Hey, what's going on, man? Doing great, man. So I had a question for you guys. I'm actually a uh, mechanic up in the Northeast. Uh-huh. And I like to listen to your show to compare some of the issues that we regularly see, regularly see versus the issues that you guys see. Sure. And I had an issue recently that had me scratching my head. It was a Chevy pickup with an LSV 8 in it. Mm-hmm. It was a 4.8. And we had a cool consumption issue that we couldn't find. Okay. So we ended up tracing it back to the cracked head bolt casting. Yes, yes. Around the inside of the head bolt. Do you guys see a lot of that? Yeah, that was very common a while back. We don't see it as much anymore, Jordan, because most of them have gotten fixed or have been junked out or whatever. If you go on my website, I've actually got an article on that topic, which tells you all about, tells you where they crack and all that kind of stuff. That was a batch of heads ca- called Castec, C-A-S-T-E-K, I think, the well, made in Mexico. Was- yeah, and they would crack right where the head bolt would go in. You know, that, I guess that head would expand, contract, expand, contract, and that was being held tight by the head bolt. It would just get a little crescent-shaped cracking in it right there and you know, you start leaking coolant into y'all and couldn't figure out where it was coming from but we saw a tremendous amount of that i mean we were getting probably one or two a week for a good while and i can't say that we've seen any lately i think it's actually been a while since we've had to do that yeah i think most of them are probably already gotten fixed they're junked or whatever Normally, it happens somewhere around 110, 120,000 miles on the ones I saw. And for whatever reason, the right side head is the one that's worse about doing all of the identical casting. So maybe it's just a coincidence. We used to see on the right side head a lot. Right. We actually found it. We went through the PCV system, and we found mm-hmm. there was a mixture in the PCV. And we oh, yeah. the website valve cover, and it was, it was clogged solid. It was, yeah, you'll see yeah, it when you pull like that valve cover. And we hadn't seen that up here before. I don't really? Know, I was... What I was kind of wondering was, you guys get the hotter summer, yes. and I was wondering if that has something to do with it. We get temperatures like you guys get for as prolonged a period of time here. I don't know. You it know. could be that. It could just be maybe the vehicles that you getting delivered to your area are coming from a different plant or something and they're using a different right. head who knows you know the million different right. factors but yeah it was very common for a while and it just kind of dried up we don't really see it and you know it, another thing we didn't see it on the six liters which is basically yeah. the same engine but we didn't see, i don't know if they just didn't use that head on the six liter or whatever it was strictly the five three and the four eight from what i from what i read the fix is actually to put six liter heads mm-hmm. because yeah. the, the 706 series casting and the 862 series casting which is the four eight and mm-hmm. the five three those heads are prone to cracking, but the 202s, I believe, are the 6.0s, and they don't crack. Yeah, I know. I, know I never saw one on a 6.0, but like yeah. I said, we used to do quite a bit of them. In fact, we got right. re- real, real good at changing those heads. <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> Even on some of our personal trucks, you know, we, from time to time, we'll go hit the pull-apart junkyards and try to find those heads, and right. they're few and far between. As yeah. soon as they show up, they're gone. Yeah. So right. there's plenty of people looking for them. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I just wondering if it was, you know, just something we were seeing or if it was everybody. No, I, I just don't see it much anymore because I forgot they did correct the problem at some point a few years right. back. And like I said, if you go to my website and just type in crackhead, it'll pop up and there's got articles <laughs> and pictures and all that stuff in there. Cool, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, Jordan. Thanks for calling, man. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You're going to part of the automotive fire. We're going back to the phone lines with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Sir, good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, I have a 2017 Ram with a 5.7 liter engine that I, it's got about 28,000 miles on it. I bought it about a year ago. When I bought it from the dealership, they told me the oil they was putting in it was 520 synthetic blend Penzoil. Okay. Okay, I went there. And when they needed another oil change, I went back to them and they changed the oil. 
But anyway, I decided to just go ahead and do it myself, but I could not find that 520 synthetic blend Penzoil anywhere. Hmm. So I tried the Vaveline 520 synthetic blend, and I put it in my truck, mm-hmm. and I got a lot of valve noise out of, out of the engine. I mean, to the point where it scared me, I shut the engine off. Yeah. So I got, it was on a Sunday, so I got online with a mechanic online, and he told me to go with 520, you know, full synthetic. Right. So I put that in there. Okay, it did it didn't have no valve noise, but when I crank that thing up in the morning mm-hmm. or in the afternoon, it doesn't matter, hot, cold, it still got a little bit of valve noise. It'll, it'll go away quick, but there's still a little valve noise in the engine when I crank it up for the first time. Mm-hmm. I've just been sitting for a while, and uh, I just wonder, is that normal? Well, it's not normal, but it's fairly common. That 5.7 has had a good bit of problems with valve-type stuff. I tell you what, I would also check, Tim, I don't know what kind of oil filter you put on there, and don't give me a brand name on the air, but you got to be kind of careful. I would be buying that oil filter from Chrysler using the regular Mopar filter because not every oil filter has the same type of drain-back valve system in it, and some of them don't even have drain-back valves in it. And some of the real common big-name filters that you get don't have proper drain back valves and what happens the oil drains back through the filter to the pan so when you crank it up you're basically cranking up dry each time yes sir so i would probably go to chrysler and buy a filter put it on there and see if it doesn't make it better and i'm not a big fan of changing all brands because all brands are good but they're not all compatible one with another yes sir you know some of them have different additive packages that affect the engine in different ways so I like to try to stay. I'm with you. I would prefer to go to a fully synthetic Penzol if I'd been running Penzol than to go to a different brand because it's very likely to have the same additive package in it. But yes. try that oil filter and just see. That's the first thing that comes to mind that would happen all of a sudden. And we have seen that with, with a lot of the big brand name oil filters that are not the OEM oil filter. Okay. Well, the thing is I do have a Mopar oil filter on there. Mm-hmm. I bought it from like a Walmart. Would that make a difference between a Walmart Mopar and a, and a possibly. Mopar from a dealership? You know, possibly. It would be real cheap to go to the dealer and buy an oil filter and try that. Because okay. I don't know what they're getting in a Mopar box. You know, there's so many lines and second lines and just crazy stuff that goes on in the business these days. Yes, sir. You know, I, yeah. I would probably, that's just kind of a classic symptom of an oil filter draining back. You know, that, 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 especially when it does it all the time, not just cold or not just hot or, or that. Yeah. that. That would just be the first thing I would look at. Okay. Yeah, and there, and, and was, that would be dirt cheap to try. Yes, sir. There I, was I, a I'm thing, gonna, I'm gonna try that. thing a while back. Help. About y'all, the y'all helped me out a couple of times in the past. And, you know, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there's a lot of counterfeit filters getting on the market at one time, coming out of somewhere offshore, and they were marked in the box. I know we had an AC Delco filter come in in an AC Delco box, and I looked at it, and I could tell it wasn't. A proper filter called yeah. the AC Delco rep. He came and said, "Yes, counterfeit." I mean, he wasn't even surprised about it. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. okay. Well, thank you very much. Buddy. Okay, man. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. Bye bye. Yes, all right, we got to take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, 
Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fellaw charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection to Today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, and today we got Mr. Josh Wilson. He is the automatic transmission guru from Agco. So if you happen to have a transmission question, it'd be a good day to get it in and get it answered. Of course, That's we'll right. take a call on anything managed, you have. Managed to get me in here every now and then, <laughs> a couple times a year. That's right. Well, you know, it's... Brian and I, I guess, know enough on transmissions to get by, but if you got a in-depth question or something off the wall, it'd be a good time to ask. Yeah, today's the day. <laughs> Let's go back to phone lines. Roy, good morning, Roy. Good morning. Thank you all for call, uh, taking my call. You bet. Um, I, uh, I got a, a 2011 Chevy Avalanche, mm-hmm. and uh, I had the oil change at 86,000 miles, mm-hmm. and on my way to, uh, which was back in, I think, June, I think it was. And I was on my way to the store the other day, and the oil light came on and said oil pressure was low. Hmm. And I don't know what to take on that, uh, because it normally runs from six, 7,000 miles before, before changes. Mm-hmm. And i just like to know what y'all take on that. Well, there's a number of possibilities Tim, first, uh, Roy, I'm sorry, first thing I would check is make sure it's got oil in it, that it doesn't, didn't use some oil and is low on oil. That would be the most common thing. Now, if it's completely full of oil, the next thing you need to do is there's a special adapter you use to check the oil pressure, to verify the oil pressure manually. And this is made by GM or Kent Moore Tool Company. You take the oil filter off, you put it on right there, you screw it in, it gives you a port where you can check the oil pressure. If you've mm-hmm. got good oil pressure right there, there is a screen under the oil pressure sender unit that plugs up a lot of times. And what it will do, it will block the pressure going to the sender unit. So to the truck, it doesn't have oil pressure. Computer oh. doesn't care about reality. It only cares about what it thinks reality is. So uh, if the oil pressure sending unit went bad or if that screen plugged up for some reason, it will tell you you got low oil pressure when you don't. But it's extremely important to actually verify the pressure because now if you don't have all pressure now you're into a whole different circumstances right you could be some bearings that are burned in it or whatever there's, there's any number of reasons why all pressure would drop and you can't check it at the port where the sending unit is because if it's plugged up it's still gonna say it's low so gm came out with a special adapter for that purpose now you don't have to go to a dealership we've got one at our shop and i guess most good shops have them but you mm-hmm. un- unscrew the filter, you screw this on where the filter goes, screw the filter on top of it, and then you screw your gauge in right there. That little engine should normally have somewhere around 30 to 45 pounds of oil pressure at an idle. They usually run pretty high oil pressure compared to everything else. I've seen them go as much as 60 PSI going down the road. But, yeah, if it's dropping down much below that, you've the absolute minimum, you've got to have – uh, let me say this. I checked the oil pressure after it, it after I saw the light came on later on, and it didn't have hardly any oil on the dipstick. Okay, well that would be the number one cause. Now, what, I didn't have I didn't have no leaks. Yeah, no leaks. Yeah, it probably yeah. it probably burned it. What will happen a lot of times, Roy, 
and it's kind of like our first caller. If you're using a certain brand of oil, let's say you go in one place and they use, and I'm just going to pick a name, say mobile oil in your truck. And then mm-hmm. let's say you go back to the same place, but for whatever reason, they decide to go to a different brand of oil. Now, oh. all oil is good, but not all oil is compatible. If it's got a different additive package in there, it may start using oil. And right. the best thing is if you can find out what's been being put in it and go back to the same oil, this is particularly a problem when you go to different places to get your oil changed. We see it all the time where people will go to one place and they'll go to another place. All of a sudden, the engine starts burning a lot of oil. And that can definitely happen. What you're going to need to do is just start keeping an eye on it. I would probably go back, if you got any records, if you can see what kind of oil has been being put in over the years, and then okay. see what kind of oil they used last time. And if it's different, I go back to the original oil first off. And then you're going to okay. need to monitor it. You're going to need to start checking it all manually because if it runs low on oil too many times, you're not right. going to have an engine to work on. Okay, well, let me tell you this. I called the service manager at the dealership, and they told me to bring it in, mm-hmm. and that they changed the oil again for me. Okay. And they told me to come back in 2,000 miles. Right. They'll verify if it's low or not. Verify it, right. So uh, I, I just wanted your take on it to see what, what you thought about it. Yes, sir. Now, that's got a 5.3-liter engine? Yes. Yeah, that little engine was kind of notorious for using oil anyway. They had some problems with that. Now, you under 100,000 miles, you said it's an 11 model, though? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're going to be out because it was, it was a five-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty that would have covered that. Now, you might check and see if it is using oil, you might see if there's any kind of warranty extensions. And they don't necessarily tell you about that. you got to ask. But if there's a right. warranty extension, you may be able to get that addressed under warranty since you're less right. than 100,000 miles. Right. right. Okay. And, and I, I know they like that that six and seven thousand mile oil change intervals, but that, that's yeah. In, I, I would never, I would never push an engine that far on no. an oil change. It depends really on where you drive. Most people drive short trips, less than ten miles. You know, you get in your car, you go less than ten miles, you shut it off, it sits. You, you get in, you go another ten miles. Under those conditions, you'd be changing closer to three thousand miles. I mean, if you're like me oh. and you get in your car and you go seventy five to hundred miles every time you drive it, then you can go a little bit longer. But right. I'm going to tell you, that stuff about going out seven, 8,000 miles on all changes, ever since they went to that, they have been having more engine problems than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. Okay. Right, okay. right. That is, that is okay. very, yeah. very, very common. Very common and, and causing a lot of trouble with those engines. Right. Uh, across the board, not just GM, everybody. Right. Well, thank you so much for your information. All right, Roger. Thanks for calling, okay. man. Right. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You're going to part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. And, again, we got Josh Wilson, our transmission guy, here in the studio today. So if you have any kind of transmission question or problem, you give us a call. He'll be glad to talk you up on that. That's right. And if you don't get your calls in today, you can always hit us up on the website. That's right. www.agcoauto.com. That's it. Just hit the contact bar and send me an email. I'll get an answer back to you. You know, we were talking for the show a little bit about Getting your car ready, because a lot of people do travel around Christmas time. A lot of people have a week or so off around Christmas, uh, depending on when it falls. A lot of people take the week between Christmas and New Year's off, and they do travel. And I realize with all the shutdowns all around the country, that would maybe less this year than in previous years. But if you are planning a road trip for Christmas, just a big, big word of advice if you're going to get the car checked, which I would highly advise before you leave, do not wait until the week 
before Christmas to bring it in. You need to be getting in right now with that because a number of things, number one, a lot of shops out there are pretty busy this time of year, so they may or may not be able to get to you. But an even bigger issue is that with all the shutdowns and closures, we're starting to see where parts are getting to be a real problem. Right. It is really starting to affect the industry, not just in our area, pretty much across the country. Availability of parts, stock, old stocks, just drying up, running out. Well, you figure um, most of this has been shut down since March. A right. lot of the factories are shut down. A lot of distribution centers are shut down. Right. And we've got like a pipeline that's full, but we have just about used every bit of that up. And the production is probably way, way lower than it was before all this happened. Right. And then you have your big, your bigger corporations buying up the stock and saving it for their internal you know, usage. Right. For their usage. So some parts are really starting to get real scarce, uh, real hard to get your hands on. If that fits your car, you don't want to be up against ready to leave. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you, I need to get this taken care of now. And then, hey, nobody can get the part. Right. So that you can go take your trip. Well, you bring your car in, and let's say we find it's got a leaking water pump. Well, you certainly don't want to go on vacation with a leaking water pump. So we make arrangements to fix it. We call, and they say that part is on national back order. Well, right. that means we're going to get it when it becomes available, which might be a few days. It might be a few weeks. Right. We actually had that Friday with a, Chevy, a pretty common Chevy truck. Mm-hmm. radiator leaking on national back order yeah no date no delivery. release date no release date yeah that's something that i guess as americans we have a lot of manufacturing capability this country really rocks and rolls most of the time so we're not as used to those kinds of things no we, yeah we used to call up and hey yeah parts there parts, parts available parts there or there they'll be here one or two days yeah and, and now we're we're getting we don't know yeah well you you hear that a lot and even if the part is available, let's say the manufacturer is still producing the part, but the distribution center is shut down because of COVID or whatever, well, that part's not going anywhere. It's going to be sitting at that manufacturer's loading dock until they can get all that worked out. And manufacturers are even shutting down worldwide. Right. So you just the, yeah you can't the, wait to the, the last trickle, minute. Yeah, the trickle down is really starting to hit the local shops and – it, it is important to stay ahead of it the best that you can. So mm-hmm. you don't want to wait till your car is broken. You don't want to wait. You know, some things are unavoidable, but if you can have your vehicles checked and know ahead of time, you, you can kind of prepare better. Well, it's even like the very, very common transmission, at 4L60 transmission. Mm-hmm. The filters for that transmission are now on national back order yes and partially we had bought quite a few of them up so we had some in hand on hand yeah we usually ordered 50 at a time right so we still we got keep a, a good stick we a still got a few but they when we call the reorder right they're not available that's right we're just kind of you're on the waiting list you know as soon as soon as they become available we'll get them but you know some of it's starting to dry up and we're really using every resource we can to well, that's get right. parts and, and, and we're, by, we're by no means a rarity in the industry. It's oh, no, happening no, everywhere, is, all the way across the this, country. This is and I would assume all the way around the world. I would assume so. Hey, we're going to take our second quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy. 
Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, brah. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to Just Join Us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan. We've got Mr. Josh Wilson, our transmission guru in the studio this morning. So if you have a question about transmissions or just anything else, you give us a call. It's 291-6901. Be out of town, not in Baton Rouge area. Put a 225 in front of that, and it'll get it right to us. We were talking a little bit about getting your car checked before you go on the road, which I always think is a really good idea. A lot of times you can have a problem that will show up in an inspection that may not be giving you symptoms as yet. Right. Leaks, for instance, what we had just seen, just a small radiator leak. Mm -hmm. This truck is actually a corporate service truck, and they were getting ready to send it to Opelousas. Mm -hmm. And so we headed that problem off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, And that was just in for maintenance it wasn't even in for yeah he just came in for his regular checkup based on miles and a small leak let's say a tank is cracked what it's going to do it's going to seep out and the heat of that radiator and the air from the fan is going to evaporate before it hits the ground so it's not going to leak to the ground and it may be a small enough leak to where you really i mean you got about a gallon and a half surge tank there so it may not show up as low coolant level but now you got a little crack in your radiator and what's going to happen with a crack? It ain't ever going to get better. No, no. And it may stay the same or it may open up Well, that's the to thing. be a big leak. You're halfway between here and nowhere on the right. interstate, and all of a sudden the temperature light pops on. You pull off on the side, and you got a split-open radiator. Right. And, and that's kind of the benefit of having a good shop that you trust and a shop that knows your vehicle as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we see the same customers over and over and we know kind of know what the condition of that car is and just you develop a relationship and you know where to look and you know what things to look for and it it just helps the customer out in the long run rather than hey let me drop into this place for an oil change let me go over here and get this done there's no history with the vehicle just running around town running errands back and forth to the store we know who's making, hey, I make a trip three, four times a year to Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, I I go to Florida or wherever. You know, you, you kind of develop a history and you know your advice my towards, you know, your brakes are getting thin. Well, I know right. then three millimeters on one customer may go another year. Right. And it may be. And three millimeters on another customer may only go a week. Right. So it depends on your driving habits, your driving style. If you're driving an awful lot of highway miles or, conversely, you're just not driving very much at all, I mean, technically, three millimeters is considered worn out on most brake pads. Right. But, you know, we've got 
a lady who's, I mean, she probably doesn't put 100 miles a month on her car. On that particular car, because she goes to the beauty shop, she goes to church, she goes to the grocery store, no, and that's about as far as she goes. It. And that three millimeters on those is probably going to last another year or more. Yeah. I'd say, hey, bring it back in a year. We'll look at it and see where they're at now. Exactly. And we've been doing that on this particular car I'm thinking about the last three years, and it's still at three millimeters. Right. And, and you bring that to somebody who's never seen the car, and they're like, hey, you need brakes. Well, that's and, all they can say because technically at three millimeters, you would advise right. brakes. You, you are in the in the low zone, and you, it's time for brakes depending on your driving. But you can't really fault the guy for saying that you need brakes well let's say he doesn't say anything and you are one of the drivers who do and your brakes go out right. now you're going to scream at him because he didn't tell you needed because they didn't right so, so you, you can't have it so, both ways right just of is developing a good relationship with your your shop and sharing the more information you share the better advice they can give you but yeah it's going to be custom tailored to you now let's say you're going on a irregular trip something that's out of your normal pattern it's best to advise the shop of that you know for instance if you normally drive around town but you're going to see your family in new york now right. you're going to be on the road for 14 15 16 hours at 60 70 miles an hour or faster and let's say one of the things we would check very closely on that would be the condition of the tires and the age of the tires right because if your tires are six or more years old, they're probably going to be okayish putting around town, but they're really not safe to put out on the highway under those conditions. Right, right. And one, one of my favorites is I, I need to get it in for a trip check. Mm-hmm. What is what is the trip? You know, are we right. talking? We we're running over to Gulf Shores, or are we talking? We're going up Colorado, Colorado. You know, it's it's a huge, huge difference as to what. My advice is going to be on what needs to be done for each trip. Well, and using Colorado as an example, that's a mountainous region. Right. So if you're going to Colorado or even less severe, say to Gatlinburg, where there's a lot of mountains, brakes are going to become a lot more important under those conditions than they might be in Louisiana, where if you... If you stop your car anywhere in the state of Louisiana, leave it neutral, it's not going to roll off. <laughs> right, right. One of my favorites was I, was I was doing a trip check, and come to find out almost at the end of it, the guy was driving to the Arctic Ocean mm-hmm. all the way through Canada, Alaska, all the way up to the Arctic Ocean. That was one yeah. of his bucket list right. trips. And I'm like, well, okay, that kind of changes a few things. <laughs> right, right. Well, your number one, your antifreeze mix. Right. You might want to uh, go with a little richer antifreeze mix since you're going to be in such cold climate. Yeah, just lots of little things that are going to get recommended because of the exact conditions you're operating under. Even transmission fluid that's maybe a little dirty but not filthy, if you're going to bring it to those cold enough regions where the viscosity right. shift in transmission fluid could be a problem, I'm going to recommend replacing transmission fluid before you go on that trip. Right, right. There, there's going to be a, a significant, different approach as to what you're, what's needed. Well, and not only that, but the ramifications of a breakdown. Yes. If I'm putting around town and my car breaks or won't start, it's inconvenient, it's aggravating, but basically I get on the phone. Worst case, I call a record to tow it to the shop. But if I'm halfway or nine-tenths of the way to the Arctic Ocean, 
that's going to be a little different circumstances. Not right. you're be hun- hundreds of miles away from service anybody. Yeah, that, that's a a big 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 difference. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, "Well, I'll just buy a new car to do that." Well, you know, one thing you got to remember: new does not equal known good. Anyone who's ever worked in a car dealership can attest to that. We used to sell brand new cars at, at dealership that I worked at on. Friday and Saturday were two big, big sales days. Well, Monday morning, there'd be 10 wreckers out there with the brand new cars being towed back in with problems because a car is an extremely complex machine. And when you assemble it, there are normally some little things that just don't get back together exactly right, maybe a part. And these usually get worked out in the first couple of months. But yeah, new does not necessarily mean known good. Right. It just means it's under warranty. Right. Some cases, a vehicle that's three, four, five, even 15 years old that's been excellently maintained may be more reliable than a brand new vehicle. Right. Because you know, you know what that vehicle has been through and, and the maintenance that's been done on it. You're more comfortable. My 11 Forerunner, you know, I right. have no problem jumping in it and driving wherever. Yeah. Wherever you want to go. Well, it's like the old saying, you know, devil you know is better than devil you don't know. Right. <laughs> hey, take our last quick little break. Be right back with more on Automotive Hour. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm Louis Alzan, the president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Josh Wilson, our resident transmission guru in the studio today. Still got a few minutes for you to get a call in. It's 291-6901. Now, we will be carded shows for the next two weeks back through the end of the year so if you do have a question right now it's time to make it <laughs> you will not be able to call in for the next couple of weeks because uh we'll be out on, out on christmas vacation, vacation. That's, that's right, right. so yes. Take, taking our own little trips they taking our own trip believe me my car, i got my car ready already yes you know, I, had, I had your service transmission on it the other day and you know on the toyota schedule it says a hundred thousand miles on transmission fluid and i was right at sixty thousand, and i said no nah, it's right. really time yeah 50 60 is going to be the max on just about anything with automatic transmission in my opinion uh, i know a lot of ford even has some that don't recommend it until a hundred and fifty thousand. like by then it's, it's just even too late right it's well, really have, really important they to have so that. much trouble with torque converters coming apart with all this lock up and all that craziness they, yeah they have a tremendous amount of trouble with them with a picking up a shutter mm-hmm. and that is as simple as fluid and filter to keep that yeah, problem to prevent that right let's go take something i see all our lines lit up we got doug online good morning doug 
Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. I got a question for you. Okay. Got a 2011 Ford uh, Crew Cab 4x4, mm-hmm. and one of them is the transmission with 191,000. Mm-hmm. The book says don't change it, but I have been changing it. Yeah. Feel a little slip, but, you know, when I changed it personally, didn't see anything, you know, other than normal wear and tear in it. Should I leave it alone now or just? Still change it every 30,000, 40,000 miles? Or- yeah, every 30,000, 40,000 miles would be really good. Very, very important to make sure you, you are using the the motorcraft fluid, the correct fluid for that truck. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. may even try looking at bulletins and seeing if there are any TCM computer uh, software updates. Okay. Many, a lot many of times of Ford will issue right. an update that doesn't occur until after a lot of miles that cause a problem, then you can just re-up, you know, reflash the computer and, and resolve a lot of those issues. Okay. Right. Now, I did run into a problem being, you know, just a home mechanic trying to change the fluid in it, and uh, they made it almost impossible to, to drop the pan. And is a flush recommended or just no, no, deal no, with dropping never. the pan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dr- flushing is, is worse than doing nothing at all. Right. Okay. Is, is your truck, is that the one that you have to fill up from underneath? Yes, sir. Yeah. Got the little four-inch dipstick in it. Right. It's it's more more of a hassle, but yes, I still do. A good filter, uh, you want the motorcraft or Ford filter and, right. the, the, and the correct fluid, obviously uh, right fluid level. Outside of that, I would look at the any updates for the software. Okay. And outside of that, I would I would wait for it to get to be just a much worse problem. I wouldn't try to go in there and address a, a small little bitty slip. Right. Do you have time for one more question concerning the rear end I'll tell you what, I got four other people holding. Doug, let me catch them if you don't mind. Yes, sir. All thank, right, thank you. you thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going back our phone line. This is Amish. Hey, Luis, this is Amish. Uh, morning, guys. And, yes, sir. Uh, morning. Uh, about a few days ago, I sent you an email about 11 GMC Acadia. Okay. With a lot of carbon buildup mm-hmm. and the motor wouldn't like move. Okay. So long story short, I, uh, I follow your guidelines, and I took the spark plug out, took the coils out, mm-hmm. and I throw some sea foam and uh, mm-hmm. some other chemicals to, uh, off the shelf. Okay. And it's a mood like a butter, so it, it, it moves, the engine moves very, very effortlessly after the spark plug's out. Okay. And on the very first cylinder on my left, I don't know which number that would be on a 3.5 liter GM11, but... That had a lot of fluid in it, as you mm-hmm. guessed. That that might be a lot of fluid. Yeah, kind of high hydrolock that engine, right? So it all split out like kind of coughing and puffing, but uh, everything smoothly moving. So my next move could be just blow the air nozzle through the cylinder holes and uh, yeah, couldn't hurt. Out. It couldn't hurt. Now, depending on how much fluid was in there, it can actually damage the engine if that piston comes up and hits. It can bend the rod. But you won't know right. that until later on. But yeah, if you can get as much of it out as possible and the engine turns now, I would just go right. ahead and do that, clean all the plugs off, put it back together and see what happens. Sure. And I appreciate your help. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. All right. I'm asking and, you. Yeah, and one more real quick one. OH Siena was a gas station, and the, the nozzle never stopped and uh, ended up spilling five gallons of fuel on the ground. And since then, I have a money light on with like half a dozen evap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll definitely happen. So, so I'm buying a big, uh, big money uh, evap canister, almost thousand dollars. But uh, 
Uh, is there anything else I can do after that new canister? Like, should I clean anything else? Along uh, you with need it? to blow all the lines out real good, and you need to okay. check and make sure the carbon from that canister didn't get into the lines or get into any of the valves. But you'll know pretty okay. quick because that check engine light will pop right back on. Okay. All right. Thank you, Luis. I appreciate it. Right, thank, thank you. you kindly. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Yeah. I'm going right back to our lines with Ron. Good morning, Ron. Yeah, thank you. Look, I got a uh, 2014 Chevrolet Silverado uh-huh. with a 5.3, mm-hmm. and the engine's running kind of rough, just like, a, you know, Christmas or something. What could cause that? When does it run rough, Ron? Is it at idle or when you're going down the road? At idle. At idle. Well, the first thing I would want to check, make sure it is the engine running rough, and I'm going to put you on hold if you don't mind. I'm getting a bunch of background noise. Make sure that it is the engine running rough and that you don't have a broken motor mount because that will definitely feel like a rough engine because normally if the engine is truly running rough, check engine light is going to pop on. Now, the way you can check for that is take like a block of wood with a floor jack and get underneath the oil pan and just pick up slightly and see if the vibration goes away. If it does, you may have broken engine mounts because that's pretty common on that and it'll make the truck feel real rough. You won't feel it going down the road, but you'll feel it at an idle. Now, if the engine is actually running rough, then it's a whole different thing. you got to determine if it's a multiple-cylinder misfire or a single-cylinder misfire. best way to do that is go on my website and just type in the word misfire, and it'll give you instructions how to check that. And I appreciate the call, man. Let's see if we can catch one more. we got Jake on the line. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Lewis. How are you all this morning? Doing great, sir. Good. Awesome. Uh, i got a transmission issue right going on. You said you had the guru this you morning. You bet. I figured I'd give you all a call. All right. I got a 13 Chevy 2500 HD, and here about a uh, thousand miles ago, it started. It started a sh- uh, a stutter, not a shutter, not a slip, but a stutter. Uh, around 1500 RPMs, running 45 to 50 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I'll go to give it a little bit of gas because you're in traffic all the time, right? Right. Well, I'll go to give it a little bit of gas, and it'll it'll be a bump, 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 bump like it's trying to downshift. Mm-hmm. Right, and then I give it a little more gas, and it'll go ahead and downshift. Is that a is that a uh, internal problem or like a shift solenoid problem? No, that that sounds like a clutch chatter a problem. Has it been serviced? It's fluid filter. It's, it, yeah, you know, it's been a while since it's been had uh, fluid and filter. I think it. I think it was done at. 60,000, 120,000. I got like 180,000 miles on this thing now. Right. The first thing would be to try the fluid if it is the the clutch chatter. The fluid, the additive packages do amazing things for clutch chatter. I mean, they they keep it from kind of grabbing and slipping and grabbing and slipping to making it a smooth apply. Okay, now if I give it a little extra gas, then, then I would normally do to get it to go ahead and downshift. It downshifts right away. There's no slippage or anything like that. Still a, it's still a clutch, clutch issue. It wouldn't be electrical. It sounds like it to me. It is okay. very, very difficult to distinguish whether it's clutch chatter or actually misfires can give the same exact feeling. But most time on a solenoid, it's going to throw a check engine light. Yeah, if it's a sol- quick. solenoids are pretty heavily monitored by the computer, so they, they're real good about setting codes and lights. Uh, okay. But the the chatter, the clutch chatter, and is not, and that's a pretty easy thing to get some fresh fluid in there and see if it improves. Uh, okay. Other than that, it's it's getting the the scan tool on it and graphing the. You can actually watch the torque converter slip on a graph. You can also watch the, the and, solenoids and then you're watching release. and you're watching engine RPMs and you know you can kind of tell on your graph which one it's coming from. But it, it, it's 
very very difficult to distinguish engine running or trans chatter yeah um, now it, it never does it above 1500 rpms it's right. always well, you're, 14 to 15 yeah, yeah. Well, that's where it's going in lockup right yeah. you're increasing the pressure also it, the, the okay. more throttle you give the more pressure the computer commands so it covers that right. up Okay. Yeah, when you, when you get down on the gas, it just kicks that pressure to maximum. So if it's chattering, just smashes it and goes right. through it. So. Right. It gives it more pressure to to hold. Right. Okay. But All right. The, well, awesome, man. Well, I, I appreciate. It. I'll go ahead and try to get this uh, filter and fluid yeah, change. Get a, a good a good proper service, no kind of flush or anything like that. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if, if it does, if it clears it completely up, that's great. If it makes it better, then there's some things you can do beyond that. But yeah, I would start with that for sure. Awesome, man. Well, right. thank you all very much, all right. and I appreciate the service you all do, man. All right, Jake. Thanks, man. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, I see we're just about out of time. We start winding on up, getting ready to get on get out of here. to go. That's right. You know, you're talking about that torque converter shutter, and that's a very, very common issue today because it's not an on-off analog thing like it used to be. No, no, it's, it's modulated, heavily modulated. Uh, some vehicles even bring it in right after first gear right and, and, only and not even a it, full apply no it may only be in 20 percent right and it's designed to slip and slip smoothly where you don't feel it but the fluid uh, can control as it as how it breaks that's down be. right as it breaks down that smooth slip can actually turn into a chatter right uh feel just like driving over a cattle guard yeah that. like it's applying and releasing right. and uh of course you give it the gas and this pressure is going to come up covered up Right, because, yeah, you give it more gas, it's not going to want that 20% anymore. So definitely start with the fluid. Keeping keeping that fluid good is yeah. just does those transmissions a world of good. A, a world of good. Uh, keeping the life, keeping that shutter out. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to wind it on up. And, you know, if you listen to us on podcast, we really appreciate if you go in and give us a written rating. That moves us up in the rankings so more people can listen. Also really makes us happy. We know we're doing a good job. A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.